Welcome back, everybody. I'm your host, Austin. This is The Prepared Mindset. And, of course, another new episode coming for you guys. Maybe one that I think you weren't exactly expecting. If you've been following the pod for a while, we have a pretty consistent habit, pretty regular schedule, if you will, of releasing one episode per week, with the exception of, you know, here and there, I will sprinkle in a Sunday sit rep episode, I'm usually good for one. Of, I try to be good for one a month of those. Not always uh, the way it works out, just depending on scheduling and current events and what I got going on. You know, maybe I'm sick or just not feeling it. You know what I mean? Uh, so this is a this is a full fledged episode, and not one they think maybe some of you guys were expecting. This is going to be thrown in here. Uh, I had the opportunity finally to, to schedule some time with somebody I have been communicating with uh, for months now, really trying to get our schedules to align. And, you know, in this space, it's just, it's a little difficult sometimes. So you got to take those shots when you can get them. So this week, uh, I get to sit down and talk with Kyle, uh, who is the founder of Core Vision Training, uh, founded in 2019. If you guys haven't heard of Core Vision, Pacific Northwest training company, uh, a lot of former military cadre, uh, former law enforcement cadre, really, really good training company doing a lot of really good things. I know our friends over at Orion training group have been up there, uh, have collaborated and talked with those guys. Um, we've had, uh, Josh Lowry of T-Rex arms on, you know, months and months ago, he was tight with, with the core vision group before he moved uh, out to middle America and started working with T-Rex. So core, core vision, I'm sorry, is a really good group of guys, but I have Kyle joining me. Kyle was a former uh, Ranger regiment guy, 75th Ranger regiment deployed to Afghanistan and Iraq. Uh, so has definitely got uh, some experience uh, currently, you know, out there as a contractor, still learning, still trying to refine and hone his craft and his skills. Uh, so I'm, you know, really, really just surprised one, but grateful that we found some time to line up uh, where we could sit down, we could have a conversation and then I could get this all, all this good information out to you guys. Like I said, something that we've been working on for a couple of months, just trying to make things line up. You know, he's really busy. I'm really busy. Uh, life's going on. Now we got the holidays thrown in the mix and everything. So never seemed like there was really a perfect opportunity. So when this popped up, I you know jumped on it and decided, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to get this one out there for all of you guys. And I think you're really, really going to dig it. So before we get into all that goodness, do have to make sure, as always, this is a sponsored podcast. So we have to say thank you to our supporting sponsors. Guys, these are some companies that work with us. They are just great we couldn't be more thankful, especially, you know, towards the holidays, the end of the year, you have the, the chance to reflect and look at, you know, what you're happy for, uh, things that have transpired this year that are uh, pointing you in a more positive direction. Uh, these companies are certainly that for us. So I do want to make sure that just like every episode, we say thank you, but especially these December episodes as we're getting towards the end of the year and the holiday season. First up, Eclipse Holsters. Guys, head over to EclipseHolsters.com and check out the holsters, the mag carriers, the dump pouches, the belts, the gun cleaning supplies, uh, the mats, all kinds of good stuff going on there. Discount code prepared mindset is going to save you 20% off. They have all sorts of options for in the waistband, outside the waistband. Maybe you're looking for something to carry off body, a purse, maybe or, or in leggings, some kind of alternative uh, clothing options, things like that. If you're a lady, their zero G comes with... Uh, hook and loop. You can do all kinds of inventive and crazy things with that. And they share it on their Instagram all the time. Really, really cool idea. 
Uh, they do light bearing, non-light bearing, like I said, uh, gun cleaning supplies, wallets, belts, all kinds of good stuff. Again, Prepared Mindset is going to save you 20% off. That's our discount code, Prepared Mindset, <laughs> one word. And if you guys spend over $100, they're going to upgrade you to free FedEx two-day shipping, uh, which, I mean, if you, at the time of this you're listening to it, you may be able to get that squeezed in under the wire before the Christmas holiday. Uh, no guarantees. We all know that the, the shipping situation, the closer you get to Christmas, is a little bit hairy, but you can give it a shot. Eclipseholsters.com, again, prepared mindset, all one word, is our discount code. It's going to help you all save 20% off your order. Go pick up a new holster, new mag carrier. Carry confidently, carry safely, carry with Eclipse Holsters. Also, I have to say thank you to Active Carry. Medical is a huge part of the EDC process. It's a huge part of the preparedness scheme for yourself, for your home, for your team. You need to make sure you have the supplies, the kits, uh, the knowledge, the know-how, the enablement, right, to be prepared for injuries and trauma that you may run into out there in the world. Head over to activecarrytech.com, discount code PMP10 will save you 10% off, whether that's the Blazer individual first aid kit, their Gamma kit, maybe you're looking for an ankle kit like their Guardian, something that you can carry discreetly without a bed. You don't, you don't like carrying a purse or a purse and you're somebody, you're, you're out there moving and shaking, doing all kinds of stuff during the day. An ankle kit might be the absolute right solution for you. Don't see what you like. They have a custom kit builder option, which is fairly unique. Not a lot of places out there offer that. Active Carry does. Again, discount code PMP10 will save you 10% off whatever you pick up. And maybe you just need some pieces, some parts, some some supplies to help fill out the kit you have. You're already in a pretty good place with what you got. That's great. Still want to make sure you have as many tourniquets as you need, chest seals, gauze, whatever it is. Head over to activecarrytech.com. Let Bill and his team take care of you one more time. PMP10 to save 10% off because every penny counts. And then, of course, have to say thank you to John over at LARPLabs.com. Guys, discount code PREPAREDMINDSET, all one word, will save you 10% off these fantastic computer-cut vinyl wraps that John has put together. Whether it's for your lights, that's handheld lights, that's rifle lights, they have pistol light options, optics, rifle and pistol optics, lasers, PVS-14s. LARP Labs has this all covered for you guys. So in some instances, maybe you just don't want to paint your optic. Maybe you're worried about resale value. Maybe you're worried about getting paint where it shouldn't be on your windage turrets and adjustments and things like that. Buttons, totally cool. These are very, very precise, cut very well out of high durability 3M vinyl wrap that they use on rock crawlers, stuff that takes a beating. It's not going to leave you know, shitty residue. It's not going to peel and fall off in a couple weeks. It's a great alternative to painting, uh, or in some instances, stuff that you don't want to paint like your night vision. Uh, you, you know, you, you still want to have that camouflage capability. This is a great, great option for you to look into to help complete the whole setup. Again, larplabs.com, our discount code there, prepared mindset, all lowercase, all one word. It's going to save you 10% off your order. Go check out what he's got going on. Tons and tons of options for optics, lights, and more. Okay. So like I said, had the really, really cool opportunity to sit down with Kyle from CoreVision. Uh, we're going to get into all kinds of good stuff. I think you guys are really, really going to dig the conversation. Uh, I'm not going to get too much further into it because then what would be the point of having to stick around and listen, right? So without any further holdup, here we go. 
my conversation with Kyle. Check it out. Hey, Kyle, welcome to the pod, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, man. Uh, sorry that it was such a headache to get this scheduled, but um, no, no, no worries, man. You're far from the first person to have a uh, a complicated schedule that's uh, that's been able to come on and talk. Uh, yours may be worse than than anybody else's. I will I will give you that. You might win the award for that one. Uh, <laughs> but certainly, I don't know if that's an award I would have wanted, but I'll take it. I, I guess. Yeah, hey, you know, sometimes you just it is what it is, right? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> But I mean, nothing we haven't worked on before. And um, and obviously, you know, we're able to pull this together now. And um, so it, and it's weird, right? Because you're you're in like a total different time zone. It's Sunday morning for me at the time of this taping. Like, I'm actually kind of sorry. Yeah. I did one of these like two weeks ago with the guys from uh, with Jonah from 100 Concepts where I did it. I was like off work. So I did it during like the morning. And I'm kind of really digging the morning vibe where I can sit here and drink coffee versus like the late night stuff. It's kind of nice casual morning you start the day productive you get your momentum going it's easy to keep getting things done yeah you all well hopefully hopefully we'll see (laughs) there's a there's a very pivotal detroit lions game uh coming on this afternoon we'll see if if that goes well yeah i'll be i'll be energized for the whole day and if it doesn't i'll probably start drinking so you know (laughs) whichever way it's all good right yeah i think the world cup i don't know there's some soccer game going on right now some nope. uh, locals were don't like, you watching it? it? Nope, don't care. <laughs> nope, not my bag. Not at all. That's I watched the real football. <laughs> uh, you probably wouldn't make very many friends that way. Um, but let's uh let's if you can, um, let's start off with you. If you can introduce yourself to the listeners and just talk a little bit about uh who you are and what you're doing. Yeah, man. Um, so I'm Kyle, started Core Vision uh almost four years ago, back in January of 19. So yeah, almost four years ago. Started it shortly before I got out of the army. I spent four years, second ranger battalion, did a couple deployments there. Past couple of years, I've been traveling back and forth overseas, doing some contracting work. So pretty busy. Yeah. Pretty uh pretty constantly evolving and moving schedule, it feels it sounds like. Yeah, it's uh there's been a lot of growing pains, especially doing the core vision stuff from, you know, seven ish thousand miles away, but it's been a good learning experience. You know, I've got friends all over the place, so that's cool. Makes for some good road trips. Traveling's easy. You know, I can hit somebody up and stop, have dinner with someone just about anywhere in the States. So it's busy, but I do enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the traveling part's got to be like the redeeming because it's something everyone says they want to do more of. Right. Everyone always says like, you know, eventually you get in like your thirties and you're like, all right, so what's the next 20 years look like? And like, yeah, you know, I really, now that I have like a solid career, I just want to travel more. And then no one really does, you know, or if you do, it's something very pedestrian and I'm totally guilty of this. Like Vegas, like I love Vegas. I don't gamble, but like I eat and drink the entire time I'm there and I just love it. Um, but it's never like, you know, any any place good. Like I'm going to go, you know, hiking through Wyoming or North Dakota or something like just very pedestrian, like uh, tourist destinations and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely loved the frequent travel a few years ago, but as someone who's very much a creature of habits, like I like to have a routine, Mm -hmm. I like to be consistent, um, being on the road a lot or flying around a lot or whatever it may be. And then, you know, not to mention how much I hate commercial flights. Oh yeah. 
it's not that great. it's not that great it's cool at times man I've, I've i've had a lot of fun i've done like some random spontaneous vacations like two days notice i went to cabo with a friend that was cool but um, wow vegas probably 10 to 15 times and i haven't gambled a single time so nope. at least not i guess i give my money to my wife not a ton either but i'll give it to her and she plays like video roulette and I will just sit there because as long as you're sitting at the machine, they'll still keep feeding you drinks for free in Vegas. Right. So like, yeah, I'll take another beer. Yep. <clears throat> keep it coming. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere. She's still, you know, winning, losing, whatever. Um, just well, really great. quick. What is, what is the longest commercial flight you've ever had to endure? Oh, longest commercial wasn't too bad. Um, if I had to guess, it's probably, I flew from, I think I started in Utah. I went to Hawaii. So overseas stuff. Uh, I've never flown commercial. So okay. I did. I did London back to Detroit and it was like nine and a half hours coming home. And I wanted to saw my own feet off. It was, it was brutal, man. It was absolutely it, brutal. So usually I end up doing a, a cross country flight or two uh, or three. Uh, anytime I'm home. And dude, that like five, five to six hours, depending on which way you're going and all, you know, weather, whatever. I'm not a pilot. Um, that's miserable, man. I would rather have a four hour layover somewhere and split that flight in half and waste four hours of my time dude, sitting at yeah, airport I, than sitting this, on a plane. Yeah. Maybe an unpopular opinion. I actually really like airports. I don't know what it is about them, but I really, I've yet to, I haven't been to a ton, but I really like airports. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I, I'm with you. I would rather like have that like you can go sit down and have like a nice meal or something and then you're ready to like worry about getting back on the plane and everything and you can cut it in like two three hour legs or two four hour legs and that's way more tolerable than you know like the flight i was on we were in economy and i didn't pay for it so i can't really bitch too much but i'm going to i literally went and got got up and sat in the head for like 25 minutes to stretch my legs that's how tight (laughs) at the back of this flight it was it was awful cool trip cool as hell trip i was drumming for the Detroit lions. And they were going over to London to play the the Atlanta Falcons. And they're like, well, we're going to take you guys. We're going to pay for your airfare. We're going to pay for your hotel, which was five-star. We're going to pay for your passport to be expedited. And we're gonna give you a hundred bucks a day for walking around money. So you're not a total vagrant, which was like, Oh, that's not that much. But then they fed us breakfast and lunch. So all we had to do was really worry about cheap dinner and as much beer as we could fit into that budget. It was such a great, I think I slept like four and a half hours, those three days. It was awesome. Um, that sounds like a really good time. Yeah, it was very interesting. Um, but yeah, so let's, let's, let's get into what, uh, what you had going on with core vision, right? Uh, so you, you'd said it was right about the time you're getting out of the military. How'd you figure out that that was like the next evolution for you? Cause I mean, a lot of guys I've heard, I've talked to, you know, it's like, well, I, I hooked up with a buddy's training company and I just found that I really liked it. Um, yeah. How'd you know that doing your own thing was 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 it yeah so from uh i don't know my my entire life i've always been like yeah i don't want to work for anyone else i don't like to be told what to do and then of course i joined the military right but um <laughs> mistake so, were made yeah <laughs> uh i think it was late late 2018 um nick from core vision industries uh, approached me about standing up his night vision training program. And I was like, yeah, sure, man, I'll, you know, I'll do that. Uh, but I'm not going to work for you. And so I started core vision training and 
I know a lot of people are like, uh, you know, I, I want to get into business. I want to be a business owner. I've got this, I've got this vision. Right. And you would think that with a yeah. name like core vision training, but I was like, yeah, man, if, if I make some cool friends and, and I have fun and, and I'm able to share the things that I've learned and I can basically shoot for free year round and have some beer money. That's cool. You know, and, uh, things were very well received. Um, students always, I could see them growing by the end of the course. And that was very fulfilling for me and, uh, bringing some friends in, helping teach close friend of mine, TJ was, uh, brought him on. He taught just he and I for probably a year, year and a half. Um, but yeah, man, things just kept growing. It was taking off. People wanted more. We just kind of been running with it since. So what would, I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of growing pains that came with that. Like you're saying, everybody, everyone thinks it's great to be your own boss, work for yourself. Like it's, it's pretty much never as glamorous as it seems, mostly because people that are successful in business, and this is my opinion, coming from a family where my mother owned her own business. I mean, nobody, no one talks about the bad stuff. I mean, some people do, but most people like they try to be professional and like they struggle internally and, and things like that. Um, I mean, was it, did you, because you were partnered with core vision industries sort of I'll use that term loosely partnered, right. Um, did that, did that lend itself like a support system or help you get some of that initial groundwork laid out? Like, uh, like a facility, uh, or things like that, or maybe something like jumping off to build up your, your first group of students. Um, oh, so we, he started, uh, man, maybe a couple months before me. So oh, wow. we were both really new on the scene. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I've definitely had some awesome mentors along the way uh, in both with the business shooting uh, my professional career, what I'm doing currently. Um, but I, I got to say that he and I were both very much doing our own thing and uh, still kind of marketing each other. Right. So he would, he would market the classes like somebody wants to buy nods, but yeah, you should get training from these guys or I would do the class. And it's like, Hey, if you don't have nods, you can rent nods from these guys. So there I was had no idea that some... was a thing. Uh, sorry to cut you. Drew no, Hopkins was on last week and he mentioned core vision and, and, and nod rental. I had no idea that was a thing that is, yeah. I mean, it is such a high entry point for so many people, myself included. I literally, I think we were talking offline, right? I just bought mine. Maybe I mentioned it earlier. I don't know. Uh, it, You're 14, right? Yeah, a PVS 14, you know, which is like it's you know single tube, it's the entry point, but it's still for a lot of dudes. Like that's that's a major commitment, that's a major step financially and stuff. So having the the opportunity to get under tubes and learn how to use them without having to make the full or before you're able to make that full financial commitment, like that's it's so awesome. I had no idea it was a thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think he does it anymore. Um but I do believe Night Vision Inc. still does. They might only do it by event. I know that for a while they were doing them for like the big airsoft events. Mm -hmm. um, but Glenn over at Night Vision Inc. will will get people squared away. It's definitely help. He, I think I got my first pair of knots from him before Nick stood up Core Vision Industries. That company's been around a while. They're well known. Um, I'm pretty sure he still does rentals. That's really good stuff. Uh, I mean, and also anybody listening certainly look into that if you're somebody who wants to get into nods and just hasn't had the opportunity yet to play with them uh you know 
go ahead and, and check those guys out for sure. Good resources and, and definitely a cool opportunity. Um, so as you were getting into this training piece, I'm gonna apologize if you can hear my dogs freaking out in the background, but, um, as you're getting into the training piece and stuff, what were you running into with some of these students? And what I'm, what I'm really asking, I guess, is people that show up to these kinds of classes, mindset, attitude, things that kind of set people apart, right? What does that look like from an instructor's perspective? What are you seeing come into classes? Is there, is it just people, Hey, man, I just want to learn how to shoot a little bit better. Or do you think there's really been this cultural shift in the last five, 10 years of people wanting to be more accountable, uh, more prepared? Yeah. Um, dude, we, we get them all. So I would say that the past two years specifically, it has been a lot more about people seeing what's going on in the world. Uh, Cause we always make it a point, Hey, who are you? What have you done? Why are you here? What are you looking to get that? Absolutely. I mean, obviously not those that specific phrasing, but you get my point. Um, mm-hmm. And more and more students just look at us dumbfounded. Like, what do you mean? Why am I here? Like, because everything is falling apart around me because I'm from Portland or I'm from Seattle or, you know, wherever they're from or whatever their specific concerns are. There's a lot more of that. Um, earlier on, it was, I would say a lot more LE military, you know, armed professional heavy with a few people mixed in where for lack of a better way to explain it, you could tell that they wanted to touch the magic, so to speak, like take pictures, say they trained with, so oh, and so, such and such. Yeah, and you know, I I've heard people complain about have from other other companies. I've heard people complain about having students like that, and while it can be frustrating because you want them to be there to take it seriously and to really understand the gravity of what it is you're talking about, um, it's an opportunity to share a different perspective with them. So rather than just being like, okay, I'm just going to deal with this guy for two days you know, try to impact them. Even if it's less about what they showed up for what you're teaching that weekend and more about changing their, their general approach to life, so to speak. Yeah. Um, if that's what you can give them for that weekend, then that's in my opinion, what you should be trying to do. Yeah. I, I think that's important. I think with, with as much, as much content as out there being shared on social media right now, there are a lot of really good dudes like yourselves doing good work. What I think some of us don't see maybe because we just, we filter it, right. We just filter it out. We scroll past it. We don't follow it. We don't tap it, whatever. There's an awful lot of content out there and an awful lot of people making an awful lot of money uh, off the second amendment community, right. In the, the, the absolute worst of ways, you know, like Mm -hmm. there, you're never going to convince me that there's any real value in a guy like learning from a guy or following a guy or aligning yourself with someone that that drives their following based off of mag dumps with like gold plated AKs uh and yeah. uh desert eagles and you know whatever else uh and you I mean I'm not going to throw names out there I'm sure if you're listening to this and you have any idea what I'm talking about there's a, at least a couple that come to mind um but that's that's what's out there right So, I mean, it's kind of a, it's kind of tricky, right? Because 
ultimately second amendment is free for people to take advantage of in, in virtually any way that they they feel is good that barring violent crimes against one another that are not cases of self-defense um so it can be a good thing right because it can attract an audience and then hopefully through that person that isn't providing content that i would consider to be valuable hopefully through that person they find someone you know like core vision training or I mean, there's more than a handful of really solid companies. Um, Jared at OTG Orion Training Group. Yeah, good guys. I, I had the opportunity to to role play uh, one of their courses and, and see their their curriculum, and uh, I really like Jared's approach. I won't say that we agree with a hundred percent of the specific things that they teach, but I will say that um, I absolutely can recommend people train with them. Um, yeah, but I mean, I think that's an important distinction too, you know, and it's why I, I don't love that we have some people in this community that find one training company and it, you may have some with core vision. There may be some with Orion. There may be some with, uh, I just had chance on from holistic solutions group. Uh, you chance know, like, chance is awesome, but you might have these guys that like, they have a really positive experience. They've taken one or two classes with whatever company. And then from there on out, it's like, well, they taught me this and that is the do all end all. And I think there's a lot of healthy discussion to be had in just, I'll say gentlemen's disagreements, right? Like we have different philosophies and approaches and that's a learning opportunity for people. Yeah, man. So there, there's a few constants with us. Um, we brief the students that we're showing you the ways that we have found that work, why they work. And, um, Sometimes we'll touch on things that we don't like and why we don't like them. But we also tell people that we're not showing them the only acceptable ways. That being said, there should be nuance with that recognized. And that's not a scapegoat to pass off just any tactic, right? Because there's a million ways to skin a cat, but that doesn't mean that there's a million correct ways or safe ways or effective or efficient ways to skin a cat. Mm -hmm. So I think, I do think it's important to have, you know, a reasonable open mind. And uh, every now and then revisit some things that maybe you disagreed with before, you know, and, and it's, it's a constantly evolving process. And that's one of the favorite things about the team we've got is the amount of dudes that are still actively doing the work. And every few months we'll come together, revisit, see if anything needs to be updated or changed. Yeah. And it's, it's one of the things that we all in this space kind of, you know, crab and bitch about is like, it's really easy to, I'm going to do this again because it's really easy to point at law enforcement training, right? And say, <laughs> well, traditional law enforcement training is, is total garbage because they take what they've been doing and they just keep redoing it for 30 years over before they finally stop and say, maybe we should change something, right? And there's thousands of guys with that opinion and thousands of guys that parrot that opinion all over the internet and whoever will listen because there is, you know, I think you'd probably agree there's a fair amount of truth in that in that statement, you know, we're finally starting to see the shift yeah. law enforcement agency get away from it. But then these same people that are complaining and saying, well, that's why being a police officer alone doesn't make you an authority on this or a good shooter, right? Because you only learn these ways and blah, blah, blah. But they will apply that same logic and that same narrow scope, right? To, well, that's why I only, I subscribe to this instructor and everything he teaches. You know, I think that if you just give things a chance, you may not want to hear that this other way was better. You may not think that it's going to be better, but you know what? There's always that chance you try it and you just do it better. 
And maybe that's something like, hey, you know what? I was reluctant. I learned. Maybe that's the next step, right? That's the next step to just having a more open and accepting perception to what's out there from a training standpoint. Yeah. So another thing that we consistently tell our students, especially our monthly members that train with us several times a month, train with other people. You know, if you guys want to bring something back here and be like, hey, I learned this and this is really solid and this is why, and we can't poke holes in it, then we'll adopt it too. You know, um, different people have different experiences. There could be a dude that was a cop for three days and those were the three craziest days of any LA career. Um, the odds of that happening are low. However, right. yeah, people's experiences shouldn't be entirely written off. Um, but again, everything comes down to nuance. Um, and we do need to analyze them because somebody may have won a fight, but they, did they win the fight because they did everything right? Or did they win the fight because it worked out in their favor? It's like talking about uh, shorties versus long barrels, which is a topic I love to touch on. The I answer can't is clearly times... short barrels. It's clearly short barrels. I mean, <laughs> well, they look I'll, way cooler. I'll, I'll get back to that, but okay. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people be like, well, Marines had M16A4s in Fallujah. Yeah. And then what did they do? They came back and they were like, we need shorter rifles. So stop. Like, you can't just look at something zoomed in all the way and disregard the full context, the full picture. Right. So it's like saying, you know, the, was it the aim point 2000 that they had in Mogadishu in 93? Like, well, that worked fine for them. It's like, yeah, but that was just the best we had at the time. You know what happened? Like 10 years later, it got a lot smaller and a lot better and a lot more rugged. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a really good point. But back to short barrels. Um, I got to say, man, 12.5 is the optimal barrel length for 5.56. If you need anything with more range, you might as well bump it up to 308. That's my opinion. And it may be changed at some point. But right now, I'm very firm, very opinionated about that. See, yeah, I went, I personally, I have an 11.5 that I like. I don't really go out to a whole lot of crazy distance. Um, <clears throat> I do find those discussions to be interesting the way people, I don't want to say justify it, but everyone's end user experience, right? Like this is what I do. This is why I found that it, it works the best. Um, this is going to sound dumb, but the reason I don't like 12.5 or that 13.7 like is it's really hard to find a handguard that fits it perfectly. So it looks good. And yeah, that's so why I didn't go that far. <laughs> Uh, on that, um, there, there'll, there'll be a solution coming out. I know that a lot of people are always like, what's the best do it all. And if, if we're talking five, five, six person, like I said, 12, five, cause you still have enough, um, energy to have good terminal effects out to around 600 pushing it. Right. But 600 meters out of a 12 and a half inch gun that you can also very effectively maneuver in and around vehicles in and around structures, in my opinion, that's a good do it all for five, five, six. Uh, yeah. Cause if I need to shoot past 600, which I have with a 12, five, but the ballistic, the terminal ballistics would be terrible. But if I need to push it out past that, why wouldn't I just get a better round anyways? Yeah. Well, and with that length, you can still throw a can on there and it's still not gonna be the most unwieldy thing, you know, in the world, uh, which I, I still, I do think people that are looking to, to build setups and things like that. Like, Oh yeah, I love 14.5. 14.5 is just awesome because I saw somebody run a 14.5 and I love the way it looked. Um, yeah. You know, and it's like, cool. Well then you throw, you know, a seven inch can on the end of that thing. And you're all of a sudden you're at like 20 inches. Like, you know, if you're, 
if your use case was to be going through doorways and stuff, maybe you made the wrong choice. So I, I, have you seen much of that in your teaching experience where guys are so hyper-focused on like replicating what they see and what they like and not understanding the end goal of what they're trying to do? So it's actually been really cool to watch it with our monthly members from like start to finish where it's, we've got them as a brand new student. And then anytime between, you know, work trips, I come home, they've still been training while I'm gone. I check in with them every few months and 98%, I'm pulling that percentage out of my ass, by the way, (laughs) 98% of them, the overwhelming majority start off and they're like, what barrel length, what ammo, what optic, what plate carrier. And then when I check in with them, the more that they train, the more that they learn. And while it is training experience, but the more experience that they, that they get, the less they care about that stuff. So what I found is, and you'll see it with the guys that have the most real world experience often know the least about guns and gear. Like, yep. The, yep. Cause the they have more, to learn how to do so much more stuff aside from just yeah. trigger pulling and kit. Like there's just so much more stuff that has to go well, into their daily. It's, it's absolutely that right. Like because it's where I came from, we'll talk about range regiment. It's not all shooting. There is, you know, obviously parachuting, airfield seizures, TFTs, there's a million other things to worry about. But what I'm getting at is the more experienced people have problem solving and handling stress and knowing how to maneuver and things of that nature, the less they care about what's in their hands. Because, you know, I've said it a few times, I would take one of my friends with a Glock and a few mags over a dude who's insanely fast on the flat range but has never done force on force. Yeah. It's totally different. Yeah. Well, it's, it's perspective. It's, it, it really, it's the, the painful, painfully obvious way of highlighting where your deficiencies fall uh, in a really quick amount of time. And I'll, I'll be honest, like I've not done force on force yet. There's actually a place pre yeah, pre pandemic that, uh, and it, it's not huge. It's like in a strip mall and they just have like a 40 by 20, like back room with like a storage room attached forever where they would do like a force on force class. Like you were get eight people together. Like they get the masks, the sim rounds. And it was like super cheap. And I was waiting for the next one to come up and it was like three months off or something. And then they locked everything down. And I don't think they've had anybody back to run the class since I'm like, man, damn it. So the other thing about that is, and I know, I know you dry fire a lot and I'm sure that you have some structure to your dry fire. Correct me if I'm wrong. When you're going to dry fire the day for the day, you know what you're going to work on. And beyond that, you know, what specific points of performance you're going to focus on to improve on that skill set, Right. Yeah. I will typically, uh, I'll think it out through the day because I usually get mine done at night, honestly, um, unless it's the weekend. Uh, I'll at some point I'll figure out like I need to work on this or Hey, the last time I did this, I, I shit the bed. So I'm going to come back and do that again. And here's, you know, like I have a whiteboard down here. Like I, I track some part times for the stuff that makes sense to track. Um, so I can try and be accountable when I come back around to it. Okay. So it's, it's deliberate training. Yeah. Anything in the force on force realm needs to be done the same way. It can very quickly just turn into an airsoft match and what, I have found is often very underutilized as a training tool is the op four perspective. If you take a guy who is very new guy or girl, whatever, 
who's very new to this stuff and you're teaching them very basic concepts, pieing, rolling the door, center step, button hook, etc. If you look at what the ends, the common end state goal with these various specific movements is, it's controlling the rate at which in the angle at which you're exposing yourself. And to best understand that concept, you need to see how exposed you are when you do it wrong. So by putting new students in the op for perspective and they see other new students doing it very poorly, it's very eye-opening how having your foot at a different angle, not even in a different spot in space, but just pointed at a different angle can make a pretty big difference. So when you get the chance to do force on force, even when you're the bad guy, don't have the mindset of like, I'm just going to hold this ground, like really stop, slow down, pay attention to what they're doing. Yeah. And there's, and there's spacing. There's lots of nuance, like you're saying, in detail in, in all of that. And I, you know, as somebody who tried to, or is in the middle of trying to learn some of those fundamental pieces of like footwork and just things like that, and how much of an impact those can have on like what you're saying, just coming through a doorway, like basic concepts, you know, set up your, your cell phone to video the doorway. And it's like, it's actually really, really difficult to come through, Mm -hmm. um, without exposing, yourself early. Like I, I struggle. I still struggle with that. The footwork stuff after, you know, hours of repetition stuff that starts to become a little bit second nature. The positioning of your feet does start to make a little bit more sense with how much of yourself you're exposing while maximizing, you know, what you can see in things. Um, but it's not, it's not like an easy thing. And then when you, this is again, my opinions, right. You amplify that. Cause I'm assuming in those situations, you'll be under a lot of stress, adrenaline, all those things. Are you still gonna be able to clearly think through that? Uh, you know, knowing that in a force on force situation, there's going to be somebody waiting in the room more than likely, or one of the rooms, which can probably even make it worse. Right. Uh, which room are they in as you're trying to clear this? Like someone's going to shoot me. This is going to suck. You know, all those things kind of wrapped up together. It's, it's a lot. I think it's more than a lot of people want to admit and realize when they're looking at, well, I can, I mean, CQB is not that bad. Um, yeah, man. And it's that it's nobody really who knows what they're doing because there's, there's a lot, well, there's more than a handful of training companies out there that, and I'm not going to name names, right? People can figure it out on their own. They can mm-hmm. try a bunch of things and it really would come down to my opinion anyways, but there are quite a few people out there that you can tell uh, are teaching very baseline tactics while missing the nuanced information. Because it's the attention to detail that people don't get at with just a couple of years, like in the Marine Corps or the regular army where they did. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not discounting the Marine Corps or the regular army. They have different mission sets. I've got great friends across the spectrum of the DOD, but the experience level is not the same in the uh, driving intent behind certain approaches is far from the same. And so I've seen some very unsafe stuff up in Washington in particular. Um, so yeah, I just, anybody listening, vet your instructors. Yeah. And that's, I don't think that, and that's not like, that's not a um, saying you should only train with core vision. That's, that's vet your instructor, like look at who you're, lo- you're learning from. And if you don't know how, cause I mean, some, I'm sure that's a very, 
common concern with people because I mean, training is expensive. It, it is, you know, for a lot of people, it's, it's an investment. So you want to make sure you're, you're spending your time and, and your money with somebody that you can be at ease that, you know, you're learning something of value. Right. Um, and yeah, to your point there, like there may some, there may be some guys who are just like really good teachers and all they, I don't say all they were, but they were just, uh, they were Marine infantry, right. Or army infantry. And they have learned those additional skills in outside ways after the military. Like they could still be great teachers, but certainly don't take that as the only piece that you look at when you evaluate. Right. I'm, yeah. I'm by no means saying only go to guys with soft experience. Um, we've got some Marines, uh, I've got a regular army guy, granny's a sniper and he does long range stuff, but, um, yeah, I know some studs in, in both communities and I have a lot of, and the reason that I bring up Marines in general, uh, because only I want to, and I wasn't a Marine, but I want to say Marsoc, Force Recon and the RTT guys are the only Marines that go to a CQB schoolhouse in the rest from what my Marine friends have told me, I'm sure somebody's going to be like, well, at my unit, we did boom stuff. But <laughs> yeah. for the most part, they focus more on just like house to house, building to building, block party uh, style training and operations. So definitely some, some red flags would be super cheap training. Um, the, the guy in Washington in particular is very affordable and he's doing the classes on public land. If your instructor is doing a live fire CQB class, um, yeah, just look, also look for known associations. If they yeah, associate with other people who are well-known in the industry and generally accepted by their group of peers, then that's a green flag. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't, if yeah, people listening, haven't figured this out, like almost nothing about this, I guess I'll say lifestyle because hobby kind of, I think cheapens it a little bit, but nothing about this is ever super affordable. So if you come across something that feels too good to be true, like you like you said, super cheap training corners were cut somewhere and you have to think like, is it, training, was it their insurance? Like yeah, if I get it, shot, are they covering my medical bills? Exactly. Yeah. Or like, is there a reason why they can't get into an established facility to run these courses? I mean, and, and that's not, no one of those things is an indictment of somebody doing something wrong outright. Absolutely not. Um, I mean, like in here in Michigan, there's just not a lot of good training facilities. There's just not, you know, some other States down South, they're freaking everywhere. It's not fair at all. Um, I know, I think Michigan, I think we have one or two here that are very spread out. I know one was in the middle of in Michigan and it just closed. The guy retired. Um, so one less, um, so, you know, that may be part of the issue in your state. I don't, you know, wherever you're listening, but definitely look into this stuff. And the other thing that makes it difficult, I think, is as social media drives these things, it's like whatever the new hotness is, is whatever some of these people try to mold themselves and model themselves as. And what I mean is five years ago, four years ago, whatever, it was all about the flat range, like like high performance shooting, uh, you know, running and gunning around barricades and stuff, which is cool. And in some instances, there is a lot of value to that. Um, but now we've kind of seen things morph right now the the new hotness is, is CQB. Everybody wants to, everyone wants to learn how to clear rooms and, and do the cool guy shit. Right. Um, and I'm sure in another year or two, we'll see it migrate to something else. Um, and I, not I everybody, have my, 
not everybody has that experience, you know, to, to be, no one is that Jack of all trades instructor, like recognize that and recognize that if they're not bringing in somebody else to help fill those gaps, you may be shortchanging yourself as a student. Yeah. So, I mean, prime example, we had, and and this will be the last story about people in my neck of the woods, but we've had (laughs) two, there could be a third I'm forgetting, but I can confidently say two people with zero relevant experience, take a two day class with us. And then within a month, they're offering live fire room clearing training out in the mountains. And another one of them ended up getting a facility at some point, but still it's like, it's mind boggling. But um, anyways, that's, that's enough of that. I will. No, but it's, uh, it's a relevant warning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Too long. Didn't read. Just vet your instructors to the best of your ability. Mm-hmm. Use use that gray matter you got up top and, and really think things through. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that you you need to be cognizant of, such these are uh, life and death skills. It's right. unfortunate that you have to do those things, but anywhere there's a dollar to be made, there's somebody trying to do it the the easier, faster, cheaper way. So um yeah, use your heads, and kids, and think if about anyone's- it hesitant about the idea of force on force training um you got to do it and in the best way that i can relate this do you austin have any combatives experience jiu-jitsu karate brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, anything like that yeah i took i took a year and a half of karate when i was in like the third grade okay. so no so no short answer is no <laughs> we could agree that somebody with one year of training is not a lot of training right yeah, I would. That's yeah. Yeah. But if I was like, Hey man, you're going to fight this guy. He's been sparring for a year straight. How do you think that's going to go? Regardless of, of which modality, jujitsu, karate, taekwondo, any of that stuff. Uh, well, to borrow from what you said earlier, I might win, but it may not be because I was more skilled. It might just be because I made less mistakes or something. Right. <laughs> or it might just be so, a bigger, stronger guy. I don't know. So the, the mentality and the ability to manage stress in a physical confrontation uh, shouldn't be overlooked. And so that's another funny thing that I've seen on social media a couple of times now is people saying you can learn room clearing from video games, which is insane to me. One, no, you can't. The spacing, the angles, the positioning will never. Well, I shouldn't say never up to this point, do not accurately mimic it. Can you learn general tactics? Absolutely. Uh, but going to the right corner of the room won't help you if you had half of your body hanging out in front of the doorway and you got shot through drywall. So the other thing is the mental side of things. Um, I'd much rather have a guy who at least has done force on force uh, simply because they should at least understand how to auto-regulate their stress and, and bring themselves down. Because that's another really common thing we see with new students, first time with force on force. At the end of the run, they're sucking for air, completely out of breath. When it's not like they were doing sprints, they're just chest yeah. breathing. They they forget how to breathe or they're holding their breath. And countless times I'll be up top watching them. I'm like, slow down, breathe, take a breath, slow down. And at the end, I'm like, hey, what was I saying to you? Like, I didn't know you were talking. Yep. Now, so, isn't that weird how people go to the holding the breath thing? Like, cause I, uh, I teach music and as a percussionist, as a drummer, right. That's like something every year, every year I have to tell, like, look at a kid and go, 
you need, you, you forgot to breathe. Like, what do you mean? Like you're literally not breathing. You're red as hell right now because we just played for 38 seconds, whatever the short exercise was. And they don't breathe. They tense up and they don't breathe. And I'm like, you need to breathe, you know? And obviously that's not even, that's, it's music. That's not even remotely. I mean, they may think it's stressful. It's not, (laughs) you know, like I I always found that fascinating. That's like a, a subconscious response. Like that we all have as humans is to just hold our breath for some reason. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not a doctor, uh, but the way I've heard it explained a few ways, and basically, uh, I can't tell you the actual physiology of what's going on, but my understanding is it starts with you're just doing chest breathing, which puts you in a fight or flight response. Uh, and then if you can intentionally and consciously start dive, breathing into your diaphragm, so diaphragmatic breathing. Um, will actually bring you back out of that fight or flight response. So that in and of itself is a huge, huge milestone, whether you're doing combatives or force on force, because if you can't stay calm, you're not going to make good decisions. You're going to, you're going right. to move too fast, you're gonna freeze up, move too slow, whatever it is. Uh, but simply exposing yourself to, to stressful situations is, is critical in my opinion. Um, Cause you, you can be the fastest guy in the world, but if the second you're scared, you don't even know how to make a decision. It doesn't matter how fast you are. Yeah. It's your, your ability to process information and, and make a decision. Yeah. Um, and a, another big part of that, uh, cause I, I have to phrase this carefully. Otherwise people are going to take this the wrong way. Um, being really fast in your manipulations is awesome. We should always strive to be faster. We should always push to be better in every facet of our lives. And that includes shooting as at as high of a level of performance as possible. Indisputable. That being said, a good benchmark to shoot for so that you're not spending all your time shooting and no time learning land nav, how to purify water, how to collect water, how to clear a room, things of that nature. Mm-hmm diversify what you're working on a good benchmark to be comfortable with shooting in my opinion is when you can manipulate your firearms whichever mechanic takes place uh ready up stroke rifle and pistol transition reloads you name it without having to think about what you're doing because that's going to free up your your brain power your cognitive bandwidth if you want a fancy term or whatever to make decisions and think about the situation you're in rather than, oh shit, how do I reload my gun kind of stuff? You know what I mean? So yes, yeah. again, I'm not saying that like, oh, I, I only care about combat accuracy because I hate when people say that. I hate that. I'm just saying a good benchmark to strive for at first while continuing to improve, but also not putting all of your time and resources into your shooting is making the baseline mechanics second nature. Yeah. And I think that, that, that's, you know, that's a good point. Things that are going to help you at least to some small degree of knowledge will, will have a, have an exponential impact on your, your effectiveness, our basic medical training, like basic stuff. Like even, you know, there's so many people that run around right now with kit that has two and three different tourniquets, uh, rubber banded to it. Like you see your favorite operator doing whatever, right. Guys don't know how to apply a tourniquet. Like how far from the wound should you put it on? Does it go on every wound? But 
you know I mean, what I mean? A step below that, how many, how many people do you, th- what percentage, if you had to just guess of, I don't like generalizing people, but in this case, I'm going to, to drive a point home mm-hmm. of Instagram shooters, Reddit shooters, the, the modern, you know, the current era that we're in, in the gun community. How many of those guys do you think have a good pair of hiking boots and good socks, regardless of what season it is in their area? How many of those guys do you think know how to know how to choose what socks are good? Yeah, that's that's a good one. I honestly, yeah. hey, guess what, man? You're you have trench foot, and you're. Yeah, I, would, I would say you're probably you didn't even make it to the objective. You're probably around that fifty percent mark. Honestly, I, I, dude, really, I think that's, I think that's giving people too much credit, man. Well, I think, and I might be overestimating because I'm thinking, I, I know I've seen pages where a lot of there's, there's starting to be a very popular part of the community where people are only into like the field craft stuff and less about the shooting. So, Good. you know, which is cool. I think that's, you know, that's something I it's on my list for next year to learn way more about like basic field crafting yeah. skills. Like I did it this so, fall. You know, where Before I just I only even... start a fire with a, a feral rod and a knife, you know, as a small first step. Um, but it's one of those things like there's a lot out there. People don't pay attention to it enough. Before we even worry about, oh, should I have three mags on my kit or should I have doubles? So I have six. I was going to ask about that, too, because people get so much fucking heartburn about like, well, you know, seven mags is the basic infantryman's loadout. So if you don't have that, and I might be wrong on that number, I'm just saying, like, I've had that exact term thrown at me a, like a bunch of times. And it's like, and... we well, think that three mags is only enough. You're not a, a soft operator with a airlift coming. I'm like, okay, well, just pump the brakes. You're not exactly a rifleman with 80 guys behind you either. So let's just say that that's probably yeah. not a very good justification of your point. You're also probably not, you probably don't have all the skills that you, you need to actually survive because if the argument is you don't have airlift like that's the problem is a lot of people are building these theories around these scenarios that they've they've got in their heads okay and yes prepare for what we can um cover as many bases as we can but we need to stay as grounded in reality as possible so that the preparations that we do end up being helpful rather than, well, I got a sick recce rig, but shit, dude, I don't have any good boot socks. You know what I mean? We have to be able to take care of our like baseline stuff. If you, if you can't take care of yourself in the field, you have no business arguing about other people's kit. If you have not had to sustain yourself in the field, you have no business caring about other people's kit, which in my opinion, the only people's kit you should care about is yourself and those of the guys around you. Because if you need to get something from their kit, like where is their IFAC if they need it, that kind of stuff matters. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, man, like I be prepared for the most likely scenario. Yeah. You can have some cool toys. You can have some extra stuff by all means. And and if for you and, and your guys, you guys have some plans and you're a collective um, and your scenario is different than that of most, then sure. If if you think you need a full combat load of seven mags, then by all means. But if your argument is that you don't have support, then you're going to need more than seven mags anyways, more than likely. So I've, I've heard of guys taking out 10 to 12 mags on recce teams. So 
Yeah, that's a yeah. That's part of why I hate that term. Like that it gets thrown around so much and almost always incorrectly. Like hashtag recce and guilty. Like I've definitely it's a done it. But it's yeah, it's mission. not it's not the the flex that people think it is. And there's like a there's such a a large misunderstanding around because I, I had Blake, uh Blake Flannery on before talking about this very thing because Recce is so popular, such a buzz term on the internet. He's like, okay, yeah. like I hate that because when I look at it, and I'm paraphrasing, he may not have said he hated it, but the problem he had with it was like, okay, so where are your binoculars? Like, yeah. where is your scope? Where's your notepad? Where's your where pen? is your where is your hard copy of a map? Yeah, and it's like, uh, well, well, this is a recce rig. Like, yeah, do you, do you understand the point of what you're saying? And people Dude. don't. Also, recce is a mission set. It is not like it's just it's such a there's buzzword. A thing called, <laughs> there's a thing called urban recce. Maybe your recce loadout is a Glock 43 and a passport. Yeah, maybe it is, yeah. And or mm-hmm. like and some cash. Yeah. Like, because in case you have to leave a restaurant quickly instead, I, I'm not gonna get into all of that. My point is is guys are arguing about stuff that they've they are only showing that they don't know what they're talking about and it's just you know that's the internet that's the way she goes uh to quote the trailer park boys sometimes she goes and sometimes she doesn't and that's just the way she goes you know you can't explain everything you see online and you can't please everybody and it is what it is which is why i don't spend much time on social yeah. media i'll throw a post up i'll reply to dms i try to get to comments and things like that but every now and then guys will send me stuff and they're like oh what are you mad i'm like dude i don't care like i don't know this guy why would i care you know yeah. i've got my own stuff going on and it's it's cool to exchange the information and have the discussions i think if there's a positive uh outcome from some of these, these discussions and these points about things like recce or or all that, like, in my opinion, all for the better, totally cool. However, like refer to last point we were making about vetting out your instructors, like vet out the sources of the guys that are feeding you some of this information, you know, like it's, you may be getting some really bad intel on, on what you should be working on. If you, if that's like your end goal, you know, like you really bug out. Well, and like going back to the boots things, like, I, like I actually invested uh, last year in a decent, I won't even say good, but they're a decent pair of like Reebok uh, combat boots. That's a really poor way of saying that, but you know, they come up over the ankle, like they're fairly tall. There's a lot of support there. And it's the first time I've really owned boots like that. Um, and I, I got them in it specifically ahead of going up to like Northern Michigan to help my buddy go scout for deer season. And Swear to God, like that and some decent Marina wool socks from North Face. Um, One, Marina wool. I am so pissed at myself that I waited this long in life to start like spending money on like really good socks. Like those are, those are, oh, absolutely. I keep two pairs of them in my car now just for emergencies. And also just to kind of show them off to people like, hey man, check this out. These things are great. Like, get you You something something cool. Yeah, exactly. Look at my trunk. Uh, But just like, just walking through the woods, right? Where, I mean, nobody takes care of it, right? It's the woods, just fallen trees. And there was a fresh rain that morning and stuff. Like, dude, I slipped and slide. Like I would have like fucked my ankle like 19 different times in the first two hours we were out there. But because I had decent boots with ankle support, like, hey, cool. Day's not totally ruined and I don't have a hospital bill. So 
I'm glad that you you mentioned that specifically because that's the other thing is guys are like yeah I've got boots I've got Solomon's because that's what they see dudes wearing but it's like if you have Solomon's that provide you zero ankle support I don't care that your feet aren't wet you're not you your ankle like yeah and I love Solomon's the most they're comfortable likely, but... yeah uh, I got a pair of Lowe's with me right now I'm a big fan of Lowe's as well but dress and prepare for for your most likely scenario not for I don't know whatever vision you have in your head. If the vision in your head is based on you actually looking around at how things would likely go for you, then yeah, I mean, by all means, but I think a lot of people um, like to overthink things and, and get way too into the weeds and they put way too much time and money and thought and effort and emphasis into stuff that at the end of the day is not going to make or break them. And it, right. And actually, it could if, if they go the wrong direction with it. And, you know, an example of that is guys getting mad at each other over how somebody's doing a reload online. Like, are there ways that are more efficient? Yes. Um, is everybody built the same? No. My buddy has to power rack the slide because of when he broke his uh, thumb, thumb or wrist or something years ago. He can't manipulate the slide lock. His, he's got weird like lobster claw hands, whatever. Right. But I'm not going to sit here and be like, Hey man, you know how you've got like nine deployments? Yeah, well, because you reload a pistol like that, you clearly don't know what you're doing, you know. And guys just pick the dumbest hills to die on. We need, we need exactly like we just need more people to be pragmatic, have an open discussion, you know. Like if someone's doing something unsafe, yeah, correct it. If someone's doing something that could be done more efficiently, like. Maybe there's a reason they're doing it the way they're doing. If not, yeah, try to help them if they're open-minded about it or they're seeking your help. But yeah, every, everybody wants to be right, man. Everybody wants to feel special. Dude, in the scheme of things, we're a speck of dust floating through the universe. Nothing actually matters. And I know that that sounds depressing. I usually say that, well, like, are you good? But ultimately <laughs> what it comes down to, man, is that's super freeing. We get to choose what we care about. And is it worth caring about how someone else is executing whatever mechanic or however many mags that guy's carrying? No, man. Well, no. And the part that that is upsetting about it is, you know, there's, there are like, I was this guy and to, in in a lot of extent still am that person. Like you're out there looking to get better at these things. You want to learn about these things. You're looking for help and input and, there's a really, really good portion of this community that is there for that, like hundred percent about helping each other and building it up. Um, and the stuff that we're talking about is, is kind of, I think a large detriment because there's so many, so many questions people have when you buy your first firearm or Mm -hmm. you're getting into like your first, like I'll say kit, you know, like, do I buy a battle belt first or do I buy a chest rig first? Or do I really like, should I really not buy an M and P sport too? And do I really need to spend $800 on an aim point? And I guess any, the, the answer could go several ways for any of those questions, but that's, you know, it's, it's a little scary for some people, you know, cause you don't want to waste the money. Uh, you don't want to be roasted by your peers on the internet, which is dumb that it's even a thing, but it is a thing. And that's, that's what all of this ends up playing to is it, it, it influences people, I think, in an incorrect way, uh, purely for the benefit of some folks' egos. And yeah, well, it holds I mean, us back. 
I don't know that uh, that will ever change. That's that kind of just comes down to human nature in my perspective, I suppose. But uh, ultimately for me, if I could give anybody advice on here for people who are trying to figure out who to listen to, don't listen to people who are trying to build themselves up by putting other people down. Uh, if the only way for you to prove that you're credible is to try to discredit someone else, you're not credible. Um, there are a lot of very intelligent, very experienced people in the industry, and um, someone's experience does not automatically trump someone else's. Obviously, you know there there can be exceptions, but when we're when we're looking at some of the things that are going on these days, like there's there's better ways to build your following, man. And no, that's not about anyone in particular. I don't stay up with Instagram drama, but I hear that there's been a lot lately. So. Um, Oh, there's always a lot of Instagram drama over the it's and it's all it's never over anything good. Like it's never over someone like, hey, this guy said that it's okay to flag people, and everyone else said it's not. And there was a big fight about it online. And it's like, you know what? That's probably a fight worth having because safety is important. It's always over something so incredibly stupid. Yeah, like you know, like look at the results. Like honestly, if the results are the same, if you can still perform X task adequately to the same standard, what are we talking about? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, I've, I've heard really high level shooters that are, I, I would consider a peer group amongst themselves explain at least, I don't know, three or four different ways of gripping a handgun. Ultimately, what we're looking for is a common end state goal. It's nice to have options to see which one works best for us. However, you know, people just need to be more reasonable, man. And the second, like I said, sometimes people send me stuff to see if all your words up. I don't care. And it just goes back to the more, the more you learn, the more training you do, the more experience you have as an individual the more you realize what really is worth putting energy into and what isn't. It's almost like a, like a heightened state of enlightenment, not to get too deep, but like you start to, to realize that a lot of the stuff doesn't matter. And um, it's where I, in this, this is the way that it made the most sense for me was like, you, you discover that your standards based training is that like omnipresent thing that you should have been paying the most attention to all along. You know, it's because it's so easy to get caught up in the gear and the optics and the lights and the drama and the grips and, you know, AOR1 versus M81 or whatever. You know what I mean? But like at the end of the day, like I prioritize what's important and how you can you can determine where you're at with those things. Uh, I think standards-based training has really taken a wayside for a lot of folks because it's just not as cool and popular anymore. Um, you know, like, okay, are you still effective? how do you know well because this is the standard i measure myself to and now if that's an incorrect standard then okay then i need to move the bar and then i need to reevaluate and if i'm there i'm there and if i'm not i'm gonna gonna grind it out till i am and everything else kind of just should to some extent right i feel disappear into the background you know like it's all it's all secondary i you know like yeah there's some camos that are better than others yeah, there's better optics than, you know, like, is a EOTech better than any point? Maybe. Who nah, cares? Who cares, dude? Get yeah. on the gun. Right. <laughs> like, right. Like, you you have what you have and be effective with it. Now, if you find, and that's not a popular opinion, 
for a lot of people because you know, it's like a flex, you know, I run an aim point or I run an EOTech or I run a Delta point, you know, but like, okay, can you consistently achieve that standard with that See. hollow sun? Like then you're good to go. Now, if the optic is prohibitive, then we're having a conversation about why you need a better yeah. optic, right? So for me, given a personal standard I hold myself to is cold start headshot 25 yards from concealment. And in my opinion, that's a, a good standard to have because if I'm at a supermarket and I have to take a low percentage shot, am I going to close the distance if I can? Yeah. You know, yep. if, if I can do anything to make that shot easier for myself, I'm going to do it. That being said, uh, 25 yard cold start headshot, um, it's a standard I hold myself to. And in my opinion, if anyone were to really think about it, Hey, if I had to take a low percentage shot from 10 yards, 15 yards, 20 yards, 25 yards, could I do it? If they can't confidently be like, yeah, I got it in the bag. No problem. Before they leave the house that day, then they have no business worrying about what came out of it. You have like mastering the fundamentals has gone out of style and it is crazy. Um, but that's what it always comes back to. And I, I've, I've heard it put that what sets uh, special operations guys apart from non-soft guys is just mastering the fundamentals. And I would I would agree with that. I mean, sure, there's, there's some more nuance to it, whatever, but it's not that there's some special tactics. Yeah, there's different TTPs, have it how you want, but it always comes back to the fundamentals. So... Yeah, if you have if you have poor fundamentals, then it's you're you're building everything else on a crumbling foundation. You know, it's like yeah, like building a home. You know, your your basement's going to cave in, fill with water, and the whole thing's going to be shot. You know, you have well, to have solid fundamentals. Do you want to second guess yourself before you draw that gun, or do you want to know you've got it? If if you don't know you've got it, then you need to you need to train more, more work. Yeah, and I think that's that's a good point. You know, and I was just going to say, like, I would probably still second, second guess myself today. Like, there's a lot that goes into it. You know, there's there's a lot of repercussions. Uh, there's a lot of consequences, whether you are completely justified or otherwise, uh, especially if you're, you know, like a civilian. There's definitely a different set if you're law enforcement and things like that. It's just, it's different. But as an armed civilian, somebody who's taking on that responsibility of carrying a firearm and everything that comes with it, the ability to dispatch human life. There's a lot that goes into it. So to your point, like you, you want to be able to like produce that desired outcome at the time, which you need to produce it. And on top of that, if you think about how much thought you just put into all of the things going through your head, the full situation, that specific circumstance, are you familiar with the, uh, shooting that happened in Walmart, a Walmart in Vegas in 2014. It was uh, Joseph, Joseph Wilcox, I want to say was killed. Are you familiar with that? No, I'm not. Shooting? So he was at a Walmart and I'll probably butcher this story to a degree, but a man came in and he identified the guy had a gun. So he went to intervene. What he didn't realize was the man's wife who was a few yards behind him also had a gun. And unfortunately the woman killed him. Um, and so what I'm getting at is all of those thoughts going through your head on just simply, can I make an effective shot right now? You also have to have the ability to take in all of the information around you to the best of your ability. And that's, 
not a knock on him. For all I know, there was something obscuring his view and he looked and then, you know, looked away and then she cleared it. I don't know. But what I do know is people are very, very likely to get tunnel vision under stress. And that goes back to what I was talking about earlier, which is get comfortable being stressed and regulating your stress. Have the confidence that, hey, if I get, if I have to draw it today, I'm going to hit exactly what I need to and have the wherewithal to pay attention to what's going on around you. And well, the, unfortunate, the unfortunate reality is that a lot of people don't want to accept because whatever, whoever they, they, they subscribe to, um, they feel like their accuracy is, is good enough because they're super fast. But I don't think people hold themselves to a high enough accuracy standard these days when you take into consideration the possibility of shooting the wrong person out in public. And then not only the legal ramifications, but the emotional ramifications of that, that the almost, I would say the vast, vast majority of people are not mentally prepared for a a normal human being wouldn't be for killing an innocent person on accident or even just injuring them. So. Yeah. It's all stuff that has to be considered. And, you know, uh, something that you know, you mentioned the the wife that was behind, you know, in this, in that scenario and everything. And it's one of the things that I get one of the first, the first class I ever took really um, was my CPL course here in Michigan, which most of those classes, they're kind of useless. Like they really are. They teach you some liability things by design. That's there. They don't want to give you more information than you need, but the gentleman that ran it was a former training sergeant for the County Sheriff's office. Really good guy. Um, it's funny because you're mentioning a friend that had like jacked up thumbs or something and couldn't quite do the reload, whatever. This guy had a very similar issue where he had a combination of small hands with something else. Like he couldn't hit the, the, the slide release on his seven, his Glock 17, um, to pass the qual. So he had to have it modified. So if you slam the mag home, it would drop the slide at the same time. Um, but the, one of the things that he said that stuck out, stuck out, you know, really just resonated with me was bad guys are almost never alone. So you need to be looking for that second and third person. Like not, they may not always be there, but I'm telling you in my own experiences, this is what we've seen. And I'm not saying, I'm saying that like situational awareness is not one of those adjacent skill sets, much like land nav would be that we don't recognize a lot. Um, especially in today's day and age where everybody's on their fucking cell phone all the time. I mean, anybody listening, you don't believe me, go to a mall and tell me what you see. If you're in public, put your phone away, pay attention. It yeah. is not hard. Like you do not have to be looking at your phone at all times. Believe it or it's, not, you can, it's, you and can it's, it's, it the simplest, it's the simplest thing to go out and train. Like, and I use yeah. the, the word train. It's, it's not even really training. It's just building you're, a you're, habit. Yeah. Build that habit or break that habit of having to be on the damn phone all the time. Like I'm sure like 70% of us, right? We work jobs where we're in front of screens all day long. Like make the make the damn effort, put in a little bit of extra effort to get away from a screen, get away from the cell phone, the TV, the computer. Yes, I sound like a hypocrite, mostly because I am as somebody who runs a podcast and spends time in front of screens on top of my day job. But like, even I realize that, like I make an effort to get out and like, dry practice or go walk around my neighborhood and try and memorize the streets, you know, as far out as I can go from my house or anything, just get out, like experience the world, you know, touch grass, all that good shit, right? Like get away from the electronics. Way too sucked into it these days, man. It's, it's all consuming. Yeah. 
put, put your phone away. And anybody listening, if you know that you are guilty of this, then you don't have to delete your social media accounts, but delete the apps for a week and then bring them back. And if you can control yourself, set a timer, whatever, or yeah. only do it when it makes sense where it's like, well, you know, today, cause all, every day I work out every day. And, and to me, I, what that means is some, some form of physical activity. So like Sunday is a rest day, but I'll still go and treadmill and walk on the treadmill on an incline in the morning and in the evening. So that's a time where I'm like, yeah, I'll look at my phone. I'll catch up on emails. I'll, I'll catch up on DMS, whatever it may be, but find times to work it in. Um, where you're multitasking, so to speak, but don't use it as a time waster. Cause that's, I think one of the most overlooked skills these days that would change a lot of people's lives is simply time management. People don't know how to manage their time anymore. And no. if people can figure out how to do that, it would be much more productive, happier, healthier, more successful, but it's too easy, man. These things, well, and it's, yeah, it's an, it's, it's an addiction it. and it's, it's funny because how many people have you ever talked to, like, let's say like new shooters or aspiring shooters, or even people that just want to get better at, it could be land navigation because in, you know, I know there's the practical application of those skills, but learning the skills, like practicing on a map, how to read it with your, your map compass or, or your map protractor, I'm sorry. Those are all things you don't need to be out in the woods to work on. Like you can you sit there with the, the the protractor and your map and maybe like an erasable marker for if it's laminate, whatever people, Oh, I don't have time to learn that stuff. Oh, Stop. I can't get my, my ham license because I'm, I'm too busy on oh. time. It's like, dude, if you, I, and I, and I know this because I did it like right when the uh, we'll say the restrictions set in, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, back in 2020 uh, I would get so worked up and so like anxious and upset about the, the just like the awful shit I was reading from idiots on my Facebook feed. So finally, after like two weeks, I was like, you know, what? I'm not, I'm not doing this shit. Like I actually, I would, I would open the messenger only because I had close friends that I would, that I was talking about and keeping in touch with and everything. And I did not, I deleted the Facebook app itself off my phone for a month. And I didn't open Facebook itself on my desktop for like three weeks or a month. And Hey, I felt a lot better. I felt like a shitload better. And I don't care that it was like this ignorance is bliss type deal, but like it helped a ton. I also found that a lot more time to focus on other things like reading, like an actual book, you know, or I did get my ham radio license, or I did start learning the fundamentals behind land nav or, uh, you know, working out like you just, you don't realize the five minutes or most of us is like 15 it adds up. That's like an hour a day. You just freed up by spending less time on your phone. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. What you said, man, I couldn't agree more. It's a huge pet peeve of mine hearing people be like, Oh, I wish I had time to, or, Oh, it must be nice to be able to I'm like, dude, you spend nine hours a day on your cell phone, man. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know what to tell you. And I mean, yeah, I mean, cut it out. We are what we consume. You know, if, if we eat unhealthy food, our bodies will be unhealthy. If, if we consume a lot of negative material, whether it's through our phone, through a laptop, through a TV, whatever it may be, our mindset's going to be negative. And I'm huge on, on having a generally positive mindset. And, and that's not to say that everything's always fine and dandy, but that's to say that even when things are bad, it's a good thing because it's a learning experience and it means I'm growing. Um, and that's, that's a mindset that I think a lot of people need to, it, a lot of people need to shift into some people naturally have it. And that's a growth mindset. And that's not the belief 
that we are either inherently good or bad, but the belief that we can be good if we put in the work. And um, it's a shame when I hear people be like, oh, I could never do that. Oh, I'm just I'm just terrible at this. Like, yeah, there's limitations, dude. I'm not going to go be an NBA player. Right. But I could be good at shooting a basketball if I wanted, you know, like with starting the business. Did I know how to run a business? No, but I knew I'd figure it out. I knew I could at least try to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So people just need to be more. More ready to learn and self-teach and figure things out on their own and be hands on and. And just be involved and be experienced and and do different things and and not get so sucked into what they're seeing other people do online. Go out and do it yourself, man. Yeah. And you'll find anybody listening to this. That's it sounds like whatever friend, or maybe it even sounds like yourself a little bit like, you know, people that are successful and there's varying degrees of success. Maybe it's just somebody that's really good at land navigation to go back to that, or somebody who's just really good at shooting, or they started a business and were really successful. It could be any of those things. God knows enough people started a business in the last two, almost three years now, just because the opportunity was there for a change. The people that had the growth mindset and were willing to take small failures in stride and grind it out and work at it and accept the things you just said, like, you know, it's a growth opportunity. Every part of it's a growth opportunity. Like it's really easy to look at those people and be envious of what they have, but understand that like none of it comes overnight. Like I've had people come to me like, Oh, well, I mean, talking about this podcast, which I don't consider to be a great success compared to a lot of other things. This is no Joe Rogan experience. Like let's, let's not, (laughs) let's not kid ourselves, but people just think like, Oh, all you do is talk to folks. I'm like, well, I think that's an oversimplification. Um, there's definitely been some, (laughs) there's been, you know, like, I can't even tell you how many times I've spent, like I did it. Uh, we had Bob Keller on a couple weeks ago, sweet guy, awesome guy, like super smart, been through a bunch of stuff. After I finished with Bob, all of my audio software took a shit. So I spent five hours. I was up till past midnight that night, troubleshooting and trying to fix my audio software. And while I have music experience, I am not an audio engineer by any means. But you know what? Hey, I had to spend the time. I had to do it. I had to figure it out. And I did it. And I'm regret. I'm like begrudgingly better for it. You know what I mean? Like it's never fun, but that's the stuff people don't, you don't see that when you see success in people or like your, what you're doing with core vision, like you guys are regarded as an industry uh, leader or, or or at least well-known in, in the industry for what you guys are doing because of how you do it not something that happens right away for everybody. There's always a learning curve. You may not always see it. That's the difference. I think. Yeah, man. I mean, I don't know how long you've been following us. Um, but, uh, I don't know. It's been a while. Um, like when I started following you guys was when Josh Lowry was still going by, uh, PNW Patriot on Instagram. And and was like, he was still in Oregon PDX. Patriot. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that's what I meant. I thought I, I was thought it was like Pacific Northwest for some reason. <laughs> so I was like, oh yeah, it's PNW, no, PDX. I don't even know what that meant, but uh, he because he's like an acronym for Portland for whatever reason. 
Uh, maybe oh, okay. PDX airport or something. I don't know. Or like a ship. I, my brain's telling me it was like a really old ship at some point. I don't know. I don't care. Portland sucks. <laughs> yeah. So like I, he had tagged you guys in some stuff like way back in the day. Cause I think he had helped to like teach a couple rifle classes or something. And yeah, I was like, he, he taught some oh. of our live fire stuff while he was still out. And I was uh, like, wow, core vision. What's that? You know, check into that and look at it and stuff. Oh, it's pretty sweet. So it's been a while uh, for a while. Yeah. And the company is very different. Um, every single class that we do, we do a fairly, not even fairly, we do an extensive AAR because what are we doing right? What do we need to change? Did this meet your expectations? What did you love? What did you need more time on? What did you need less time on? Things like that. And every single course is better than the last. I can say that with hundred percent confidence. Um, from early on, we had a lot of high praise. I can truthfully say we never had a class where I was like, we didn't do our best or the students didn't get their time and money's worth or anything like that. But I will say that we have evolved significantly over the years and applied lessons learned and applied critiques and suggestions and changed marketing strategies. And, and lately I've been posting like way more consistently, which I hate. I hate social media. I don't like what it does to people. It's a giant and, time suck. That's the annoying part more than anything is it is a giant well, time suck. It's a time suck. It's a phenomenal tool. Uh, most of my friends these days are people that I've met through CVT or through social media, um, which wouldn't exist without social media. But ultimately, man, like time suck. It's addictive. Um, it messes with people's brain chemistry. Really bad for self-perception, self-value type of things. And uh, I mean... I, it's not something that I have a hard time with in particular, but that might not be a result of me. That might be a result of me recognizing that being on social media is not a natural thing and therefore not something I want to spend a lot of time on. Um, but to that end, yes, lessons have been learned. I've been taking marketing more seriously, um, doing a lot of other stuff with the business. We've got a lot of big things coming up. Got another business launching here in the next couple of months just doing retail. It's going to be a end user store. So yeah, I'm tapped into technology, but when I don't have to be on it, I'm not on it. So what are you guys like? So today um, talking about core vision as of today, December, 2022, what do you guys do that people can look to you for in terms of like training offerings? Is it, I, I'm fairly certain it's not just CQB shoot house type stuff. Um, you mentioned somebody else on the cadre or, or team. I think everyone uses the term cadre because it sounds cooler now. Uh, but I hate that phrase, a, dude. I think it's so stupid. <laughs> but that's what the people want. And you got to give the people what they yeah. want. <laughs> um, you mentioned he was a, a an army sniper. So I don't know if you guys are doing long range stuff, but I mean, yeah. what are you guys offering? And I guess, how did you, I'm, I'm assuming not every, every one of those courses launched day one. Right. So, um, started off night vision courses, like I mentioned earlier, um, which coincidentally, like the range we were at, it wasn't supposed to be a CQB course, but the range we were at had a shoot house and we had like a lunch break on night two. Um, and those guys were crushing it. So I was like, Hey, you know, if you guys want, we got a little bit of time. I'll show you some shoot house stuff. If you, you want to just eat while I talk and they loved it. So from there, I was like, okay, hell awesome. yeah, we're going to do that. <laughs> yeah. They're smashing like, chicken nuggets and like watching you go through the shoot house. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, we'll do night vision and CQB. Why not? 
Um, but yeah, we do night vision CQB, white light CQB, which is like wizardry, wizardry to people who are unfamiliar with some of the stuff that we do. Um, medical stuff, land nav, uh, vehicle escape concepts, which is our term on vehicle CQB, um, which includes route planning, go bag considerations, what all goes into route planning, um, downed driver drills, which I think is the most likely need for anybody. Like if their grandpa's driving and has a heart attack, how do you take oh, the yeah. steering? Um, and then of course, fighting out, fighting around, fighting in whatever the vehicles. Um, we just launched scoped carbine. I don't know the dates off the top of my head, but the one in Oregon that's coming up is only got one slot left. Um, we're going to do some more long range stuff. So yeah, we've the one in Oregon, we're doing a collab course with Adrian from Sidewinder Concepts, but we also have a good friend of mine, Ken Decker. He was a sniper in third Ranger Battalion. Very knowledgeable. He's been doing some cool stuff with uh, TACOM. They do those those flip up prisms that adjust your hold or your point of aim, point oh, of impact. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's it's just a flip up like lens, but the, as you, yeah. you rotate it or something, it helps adjust your hold over so you don't have to. Yeah, you flip it and then you go from being a 25 300 to like point of aim out to like five or 600 it's really cool uh depends on zero all that other you know ballistics and all of that good stuff but uh yeah man i'm sure there's a course or two i mix missed but we do a lot of stuff i bring in well respected by their peers smes for anything that i don't have experience in um we've got swat guys we've got a guy from the unit a lot of rangers couple marines uh, really solid team doing really good things. Even while I'm gone, uh, a lot of stuff coming up traveling. We haven't traveled in a while. So Washington, obviously Oregon, North Carolina, Texas, Vegas, Southern California. We're all over the place, man. We're doing, we're doing everything really kicking things off, picking things back up and, uh, just trying to train as many people as we can get more involved in the community get, again and really get back to the scoped carbine thing that that sounds interesting and like i i hope people take advantage of if nothing else i will say like you see it so much on social media now i mean not that's where people share pictures but a lot of people stepping in and trying to embrace lpvos or i think they're calling them something else now like medium powered if they're like three to 15 or something Who anyway, cares, man? Um, but like people will run them on their rifles you know and like okay i just have enhanced capability now it's like well you can see further but do you really understand and i had this conversation yeah. with uh with nick kitelica from leopold optics i love um, nick dude great friend of mine dude nick's awesome and yeah. talking about like there's like hundreds of different reticles out there it's it's impossible to keep track of all of them and there's always a new one being developed but there were people that run those. And I feel like I told him, like, I feel like some guys just go out and they buy a scope based off of how busy the reticle looks because it looks cooler than just like a, your standard crosshair reticle. Right. But it's like, do you, do you really understand the capability you're getting with this? Like, can you, do you understand how to process what this is telling you based off of your, your sight picture and the Christmas tree and your holds and, and even further, like, do you understand the capability of the round that you're shooting? Like, it, 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 is it even going to matter? Are you too far out or, you know what I mean? Like, there's so much so, that goes into it. The Honestly, man, like in terms of 
it's it i get asked what's our best course what's our most important course what's my favorite course to teach whatever and i do truly believe that everyone should take each one for their own reasons but um if you want to leave a course with a an incredibly high newfound confidence with your weapon system it's going to be the scoped carbine course because you're going to learn so much more about ballistics and your holds and how to use your reticle and why you should use your reticle and why bdcs are not great yeah they're great for the military where the military is issuing a set type of barrel with a set type of ammo and the optic has a bdc calibrated to that barrel and ammo and that still leaves some to be desired because Mm -hmm. um, there are different environmental factors that will affect your external ballistics so Scope carbine is is honestly like, in my opinion, it, an incredible course. Um, and it's the ACOG is coming back, I guess. Um, dude, show me. There's uh, I, there's uh, always yeah. outliers, but the vast majority of guys that were issued those will never buy one. They have That's, that. Yeah. It's a fixed four power and four power is really not that great. The BDC isn't going to be calibrated for their rifle unless they build their rifle to the BDC, which even then, hopefully the environmentals are close. Um, it's not, it's yeah. Okay, cool. It's rugged, but that's another thing that people get too into the weeds on in my opinion. And that's yeah, sure. If you drop this red dot from eight feet on a concrete, it won't break, but this one will, what the fuck are you doing with your guns? I don't know if you're cool with me cussing on here, but no, dude, you um, say whatever the fuck you want. I am. We're outside. Like, I think the most of these services only uh, they monitor like two to four minutes in, which I'm still like halfway through my ad space on. So you'd say whatever the fuck you want. I'm totally good with the profanity. <laughs> but anyways, my point is, is like people choose to get into the weeds about the wrong things and the ACOG should not be making a comeback unless you want to dedicate it to the proper rifle and ammo type. Yes, you can learn holds based on the BDC, but why would you do that when you can be more accurate with something that has a fucking ruler in it, like a reticle? Well, and it's just like, you know what? The ACOG was, and I mean, it is a good choice. It is. However, you have to recognize a lot of things you just put out there. Like just because that's a good choice does not mean that there are not better choices out there. And that like the technology has not advanced. Like you said, fixed three power, fixed four power, like fixed power is kind of the way the dinosaur at this point with the way optics technology has come in the last 10, 15, 20 years. Right. Cause I mean, the ACOG has been around since it, it's coming up on 20 years, you know, right. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's, it's kind I of a dinosaur. I have no idea when it, when it first came out, but I'll tell you it's in my opinion, a dinosaur. Yes. It's yeah. still a great optic. If you understand its limitations and how to best employ it. However, personally, I like options that I can use for a multitude of scenarios, meaning optics that I can move between rifles if I need to, or whatever it may be. Um, And it's just going to be more accurate. If you use a milling reticle and you understand what you're doing and no, it's not like crazy complicated. That's the other thing that, that people assume when it comes to using magnified optics and using mills um, or MOA, if that's what you're into. Um, It's not that hard, man. It's not that complicated. Uh, It'll give you an unreal level of confidence with your weapon system. If you take that information in and you apply it. Well, and, and there's just better, I mean, if we're talking even to a financial standpoint, 
there's just more affordable options. Like A, it's a dinosaur. B, it, there's still, and I think this is probably to some extent because of government contracts. I, I could be wrong with that assumption, but a lot of these companies, that's why these things are so expensive is because they sold it to the military for X price, which means we as civilians all get to get, take it up the backside for the same price even for 10 years past its prime, right? So that's a $1,200 optic. And realistically, you can get comparable performance out of an LPVO for six to 800 bucks and take that $400 and then throw that into ammo or maybe there's range something finder. else, you know, yeah. range finder, a, a white light if you don't have one or yeah. you know, a flash hider or put it towards a suppressor or like any number of other things that could help further in enhance your capability. You know, like now I'm not saying you should you know, given if you have the funds, uh, you know, an ACOG versus like, I don't know, like a, a, a $200 LPVO off of Amazon, clearly you're not going to get. Well, I mean, yeah, but if you can afford the ACOG, why are you looking at a $200 LPVO? So that's because actually. Some people are just inherently cheap as fuck and will look like, dude, I like, I love my brother to death and I'm, I'm going to tell a story anyways. Uh, I just got him <laughs> to upgrade to, he got, he bought some uh, Ace Link. Uh, three level three plus plates on a black Friday. He mm-hmm. like, dude, smoking deal. He used like that honey browser app or whatever, which I always forget about. He got a pair of plates level three plus under four and a half pounds a piece with shipping and tax 285 bucks from a reputable armor company. And he was looking at going with another company with heavier plates with a way worse reputation simply because they offered free shipping. Still, it would have actually at the time it would have been compared. He didn't know about the honey browser thing yet, but so he was looking like the 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 better plates were like fifteen bucks more, and it was because of shipping. What, what company like, plates? What manufacturer did you say he bought? AceLink. I've never heard of them. Uh, I I have a pair of uh, a set of theirs. Um, I've got a couple of friends that have them. Like they've done fine for you know in my research and everything i know they're not like hesco's or anything but even even hesco's oh, you can dude, get dude, 400 bucks don't get hesco's you oh, no. don't don't ever buy hesco's they've lost their nij cert like three times i would uh, wait really i yeah, no, idea no don't buy hesco's if if you need a different company to check out check out west coast armor um i'm they don't pay me i do sell some of their plates i don't care if you buy them from me or from them or from gorilla tactical uh the, the head engineer there, Christian, is a brilliant man. Um, he knows what he's doing. It's good armor. It's made in America. I would bring it over here to use if if I could. Um, yeah, check them out. Look into them. That's, wow. Don't buy Hesco. Take, take That's it how you take, will, man. Don't, it, the don't internet's going to freak out over that. <laughs> That's And you can look that up. There's like uh, I think you can go to the NIJ website and look that up or something like that. That sounds like more work than I'm willing to invest. I'll take your word for it, but mostly <laughs> like, I mean, I bought I, plates two years ago when we all got our stimulus checks and I was like, I was still working. Um, I took like most of the first one and gave it to my wife, like here, pay off one of your credit cards from before we, we got together or whatever. Uh, take this other little piece of it and go buy the stuff to remodel the bathroom. Two years later, we finally finished that project. God damn. Um, and then I took the little bit that was left and went and bought myself plates. Um, but Long story short, like there are people out there that will just to save a buck, make worse decisions, you know, in like the dumbest of ways. Um, and like so, I love my brother, but he is that guy. To help prevent that. Um, and I, 
I've got a my wall here. I, I'm a big whiteboard guy. I don't have a whiteboard here. So my wall is covered in yellow sticky notes for stuff I'm working on. And one of them is scoped carbine LPVO. So to help prevent that and try to help people, because for years people are like, hey man, what do I buy? What do I need? What's the best of this? Or what should I get for this price range? Um, we're going to break down LPVOs in the, the budget bracket, like around below a thousand, around 500. So sorry, guys, not going cheaper than that. Um, and we're going to explain our process on how we're eliminating things that don't even get tested and why we're eliminating them without even touching them. Uh, we're going to do the same thing with some of the higher, higher brackets as well. But big push for me is realizing that it's an obligation to try to help the people that uh, are looking for those budget options. Cause for years I've just been like, I don't know, man, I don't use that stuff. Save up yeah. something good. Um, I did test hollow sound here and there, but like, ultimately I will never recommend them. I've seen way too many issues. And I know that it's like, Oh, well, cousin Jimmy loves his. That's cool, man. Uh, I've heard great things, but I've also seen bad things. So I'm not big on hollow sun, but the SIGs for a low budget red dots are, are good in my opinion. So anyways, on that, yeah, we're going to be, we're going to be trying to help out people who are looking to maximize and, and stretch their dollar for the most effective and, and best budget options between optics gear, whatever it may be. Is that going to be like a, like a YouTube series or yeah, so I just started the page. We have we have not posted any posts yet, but we'll have a blog on the website called Headspace and Timing. We're going to talk about mindset a little bit on there too, all sorts of stuff. Um, but yeah, there will be write-ups, there will be videos. We'll take snippets from the YouTube, put it on Instagram. But big thing this year is just more open source information. Um, before anyone asks, no, there will not be any open source tactical information um i have my own personal opinions about putting things like that out there and, and that's not something we're going to do um but we will put yeah. out what what we collectively as a team are comfortable doing so fair enough fair enough well yeah. kyle i appreciate it man this has been like this has been awesome uh i honestly just so we got the uh the times to line up so we could sit down and do it for one but yeah and my internet didn't go out <laughs> yeah no i mean hey you mentioned that and i was like "Ooh, if it gets dicey we'll just have to like i don't know we'll call an audible and reschedule or something but it's it's been awesome uh the internet has so far and this has been a really solid conversation um you know for anybody listening that that is looking to maybe get some more out of you guys or, or find out more about what you're doing can you throw out your uh your instagram your website just where people can find the information at yeah, man. So Instagram is just core vision training uh, website is core vision dash training.com. Uh, and then you'll see in the bio that store I briefly mentioned, I've, I've tagged in there. So when we, when we do all of that stuff, we're also going to help give people like free shipping, good deals, whatever, wherever we can. Uh, Cause really ultimately, I don't know if you've noticed our mission mission statement on the website. I'll let the listeners go and look that up. I'll let you look that up if you haven't seen it, but uh a lot of people do appreciate it when they find it. I get a lot of emails and messages about it. So yeah, man, big thing is just pushing that mission, training as many people as we can, helping equip people and continue to make, you know, good friends in this space. So yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity. I'm really humbled. Honestly, I haven't listened to all of your episodes, but you've had some really big names on here. Uh, so it's really humbling to, to have been invited and it's been great talking to you, Austin. 
I appreciate that, man. Uh, yeah, no, it is. I take no credit for any of that. Um, I, I've been fortunate to talk with some really cool people, so it's been an awesome, uh, 2022 for us, but, um, certainly happy to have kind of been able to pick your brain and get your, your insight and perspective on a lot of this stuff. This has been cool. And, uh, hopefully we can, I don't know, uh, in a couple of months or something, pull it back together and maybe do round two. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right, sir. Well, you uh, take care, stay safe out there, and uh, have a Merry Christmas. Hey, thanks, brother. You too. So there you go. Uh, That was my conversation with Kyle, uh, founder of Core Vision Training. Uh, Really, really good talk. You know, Kyle's got a pretty good perspective, I think, on a lot of the things that we talk about on this podcast, a lot of what's going on out there in the training world, the 2A community. Um, as somebody who is still out there uh, doing this stuff, so to speak, right, as well as out there uh, providing training, running a company that is not only providing training, but tr- but but really doing the best they can to stay relevant and up to date. And I don't mean stay relevant in terms of, hey, it's a popularity thing. I mean, tr- stay relevant in terms of what is the best that we can present our students? Are we really doing our best? Is this really is this better than the last time? You know, how are we going to get better? How are we going to do better? Our students deserve better. We want to give better, um, which I, I respect the hell out of how they do that and, and their mindset and their you know view of how they handle uh, students, regardless of its law enforcement, military or, or civilian. Uh, I've been lucky enough to have several of these kinds of individuals uh, on the pod, and I'm, and I'm excited every time I get to actually sit down you know, and talk with these gentlemen, uh, or, or women, you know, we, we've had a couple women on and, uh, it's just, it's, it's humbling for one, but it's also really good to see that there's those people that, that truly value the community for the learning and for the, the attitude and the positive that it can, it can bring to so many people who want to enrich themselves and enhance their own capabilities, uh, to an extent, you know, grow their own, uh, feeling of, uh, value and self-worth, right? it's a lot of different things and it can be very, very positive. Unfortunately, as you know, we talk about it's, it can be really, really negative and toxic in some instances, uh, you know, with things like social media and the internet and, and people's personalities and traits and things like that. But, uh, that's the world, right? It it takes all kinds to make the world go around and, we just, we got to work together and navigate it the best we can. So I had a really good time talking with Kyle. His schedule is super crazy, super hectic. Like I said, you know, he's, and he's alluded to right in our discussion, he's out there doing stuff, his schedule with travel and, and work and, and things is, is very chaotic, very hectic. So this was, um, I think one of the, if not the actual first time I've recorded a interview on a Sunday, which was unique and different. Um, again, kind of nice. Cause you know, sitting here drinking coffee, having a real quality start to the day, um, getting into stuff that's just, you know, great to talk about. Uh, now I'm sitting here, we're going to, going through the editing, uh, wrapping things up, uh, pop to kill cliff, watching my lions, hopefully stomp the shit out of the, the New York jets. Uh, you know, it's a good day. It's a really good day. And I look forward to being able to bring Kyle back on, uh, and, and talk more or, or even be able to join him on his podcast. It sounds like that's something, you know, something he mentioned that he may be looking into doing in the future. It, you know, there's the networking piece of this is honestly what I get the most value out of. I really enjoy it. And I would be remiss if I didn't also mention while you guys are listening now, we do have a Patreon page. And if you guys 
found it in your hearts to support us, we'd be ever so grateful. Head over to patreon.com forward slash prepared underscore mindset underscore pod. Now, I will say the first two people, now a lot of people I know cut out of these and they don't listen to the end of the podcast. However, if you're listening still, the first two people to direct message me and ask about the, the gift, we'll say that there's been, there was a gift donated by one of our previous, uh, there's two gifts actually donated by uh, a guest uh, here on the pod that work we connected with. I'm not going to say what, I'm not going to say who, but the first two people to contact me via direct message on Instagram you guys will win and you'll have this gift mailed out to you. Probably won't make it in time for Christmas, but still a little something. We want to say thank you to those of you that are <clears throat> taking the time out of your day to listen uh, and support our, our podcast, uh, support our efforts here. And and we got a whole bunch of cool stuff. I, I know I say that a lot, but we do have a lot of cool things that we're trying to do for 2023 and a lot of growth opportunities that uh, are in the works and planning for next year that we really want to ramp things up and continue to bring really, really good content and exceptional individuals onto the pod for conversations. So again, first two people to message me, free gift, free thank you, free Christmas gift, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but that's with that there, that's that's kind of my, my spiel for the week. Uh, we will have another episode this week. <clears throat> this one was something that was, uh, it was planned, but not in the scheme of our weekly episode plan. So we're going to have another cool episode coming in just a couple days. You guys, I think, are really going to enjoy it as well, and I certainly look forward to it myself. But until such a time, I want you guys to get out there, work hard, train smarter, and like I always say, be prepared. Be prepared.